Hello and welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Let's tune in to today's message. You say, well, what about the faults and troubles you have in your own heart that you know about? Well, deal with it, take care of it, and get out of it. Don't just, I mean, how childish would it be for me to be dragging an old chain with me everywhere I go when I can just get rid of it and free myself from it in the name of Jesus? You understand what I'm saying? But so many of us, somehow we long for a little bit of this condemnation because we think it somehow attributes to partially the holiness of God. That's not the holiness of God. Do you hear me? But they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. For he, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but it seems grievous, doesn't say condemning, grievous. Nevertheless, after, for afterward, it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, when the chastening of the Lord does his work, there is a peaceable fruit that comes out of righteousness. And if that doesn't come, you know it's not been the chastening of the Lord. Can I... I think many times we just simply misunderstand God so much. We think he's a reckless master. He's reckless. He just, one day he'll slap me. One day he'll do some things and just kind of put this gloom over me and kind of sits back and, ha, let them know that I'm God. This is not the way God does. The Father of glory does not do that to his children. He knows that the bride is in the process of becoming purified. And he knows that the bride goes through uh, purifying. And, they, and he purifies them by the power of the Spirit of God, allows them to go through things that brings further purity. But he doesn't sit over someone as a master, uh, master hammer user, a master guilt inflictor. That's not our God. That's not Yahweh. That's not Jehovah. That's not Jesus. We need to understand that. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Wherefore, wherefore. Why does the word wherefore? You have to see what it's there for. Now no chastening seems to be joyous, but it's grievous, nevertheless, afterwards. There is an afterward with this chastening. When God chastens those that walk in faith, He puts an end to it. There is a clear end, and there is a fulfillment of it, that He has done His work. He has finished the work that is intended for that person. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I feel I'm kind of coming up against a, a block. Because in the religious world that we have been born in. We're all church-going people, all right? Church-going people, we try as hard as we can to serve God, to somehow put a smile on His face. It doesn't work that way. It just does not work that way. The smile on His face is when we turn, or we fulfill His joy, when we turn to His righteousness and allow it to become our righteousness. 
And we somehow shed this old condemnation that I'll never be good enough. And I recognize I'll never be good enough. The, my good enough is what he is. His good enough is called righteousness. And I receive that righteousness as the one that was good enough. I receive him in my heart. Therefore, now, from this point on, he is my good enough. He is my righteousness. But this constant gloominess. Listen, people, I'm speaking to you today. I'm really speaking to you. Some of you find a thousand faults in yourself. And probably more in others. But a thousand faults in yourself. And you feel that somehow this constant suppression is somehow godly. It's not godly. It's not godly. God does not put his whip on you as a child of God, as somebody that has been brought into his kingdom through the new birth and is brought into his presence and is making the bride of Christ out of it. He doesn't just take you and whip 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 you. That's not God. Verily for a few days he chastens, but afterwards there's a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Can I repeat it again a thousand times? Somehow we have this feeling that I've had people tell me that. If I would be free from that, I'm almost afraid I'd have too much joy. That was just in the last couple months. Someone told me that. You see, it's a universal guilt that is plaguing, and I believe anyone that is a religious person. Now, when I say religious person, I'm not saying it in a bad sense. Every one of us in here are religious people. That's why we're here. We have a religion. We have, our religion is we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We believe that He is the resurrection from the dead, and we believe His entire word. We believe that's why we believe in Him. Jesus is my religion. Jesus is your religion. There's other forms of religion that are out there. But people that have the religion of Jesus Christ have to resign themselves from their own righteousness and cleave to the righteousness of Christ. And that in itself will be a tendency to draw you to a place of guilt. It's a little bit like I've said already. And I, I've, I've spoken about this here just lately to some people. Uh, <laughs> I wish I'd have a word for it. It's not paradox, but it's there's a word that should be somewhere in the dictionary, and I don't know what it is. But it's like people that walk in faith have doubts. That's why they walk in faith. But some people feel condemned if they walk in faith, and they're plagued with doubts. That's why you walk in faith. The opponent of faith is doubt. That's why you need faith. Because doubt is such a, or unbelief, is such a big thing. So we, need, we turn to faith, not to that. But where we walk in faith, that's always there. And somehow we think that should not even be there. Well, if it wouldn't be there, you wouldn't walk in faith. See, it's like an opponent. And that is a little bit like what I'm saying here. That people that walk in faith are people that, or people that want to do what's right, will somehow want God to accept their own righteousness, their own output. But God will not accept our own output. He will accept his input. 
And then what comes out of us is a sweet smell of incense to him. So we have that universal guilt that is upon us by nature, I believe, because that we are a fallen person. Because within us, there's two laws. There's a law of the Spirit of Christ, and there's the law of the flesh. And they continually wrestle with each other. This is why the cross comes in. When we die to ourselves, what is the part that dies? When we resurrect, what is the part that raises? Is the same thing that dies the one that raises? Where is the two laws that are in here? And Romans speaks quite extensive about this. But in this pattern of life, and when we live by faith and live in this pattern of life, there is always the opponent of that. And I believe this opponent, which I call a religious guilt, because that we are people of faith, we walk by faith, we walk not by sight, then there's this constant thing that somehow makes us pursue achieving that which God does not accept. And that's righteousness from our own life. Oh, that Ishmael might live. So what Abraham did is he decided, he based on all the promises that God had, so he knew that one day he will have a generation that is like the sand of the sea and the, the stars of the heavens. And he knew that someday, but now he was 90-some years old and still not able to reproduce. And it was like, God, what am I going to do? You've given me this promise, and I'm seeing the grave not far ahead, and it's completely impossible for me to reproduce. And Sarah is also old, and she can't reproduce. So I have a real problem here. So what do I do? You know, there is one way that Sarah suggested. Take the handmaid. See, a Abraham, he could reproduce. He just could not do it by faith. You understand? Because he went and took the handmaid and produced an Ishmael. The reality of it all is Abraham had a relationship with Hagar, and he was able to reproduce. He produced somebody. So Abel was, or, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Abraham. Abraham could reproduce, but he could not reproduce by faith. Because Sarah could not reproduce outside faith either. They both had to have faith to make a child. Not so with Ishmael. So Abraham was well able. If I can say it in plain words, he knew that somehow his seed was okay. I don't know if he knew that or not, but after Ishmael, then he would have known that. But to buckle down and to say that, oh, if I could somehow just do the way I did with Hagar, I would be able to produce. And all at once, he was in this dilemma. And he saw that, you know, I can produce. I can reproduce. But I cannot reproduce with Sarah. And so he turns and says, Oh, oh that Ishmael might live. Oh, that God could somehow accept what he promised me as being Ishmael. But God pushed him further. God pushed him further. God pushed him further. That's not what I accept. I, produce I, I accept only that which you do in faith. And we could get into those details. I've preached many times about that. The sacrifice, how God walked down as a furnace through the spines that showed that it laid apart. He walked through that, and God made a covenant with him. And it was like within a year, they had a child. 
Now, Abraham looks and he later on speaks about his only begotten son. Abraham had a son, his name was Isaac, and he called it the only begotten. He also had an Ishmael. Two places where it said, thy son, thy only son. We know Abraham had two sons. But in God's eyes, he called it one son. And that one son was what was produced by faith. So people, as I'm closing this sermon today, be aware that you might be able to produce a thousand things without faith, but it's condemnation. That's not a son, but it's what you produce in faith is what is acceptable to God. That's the son. So can I tell you to take that cloud and allow that cloud to come right off of your head? And not continue to focus on your impossibilities, but what God has done to let that live in you. That's what he is pleased with. That's how the just live by faith. You might have done a thousand things, and it might have produced a thousand Ishmaels. But where is the Isaac that needs to be produced by you? It will only be produced by faith. Do you hear me? Let's not look at the big things. Let's look at the little things. It's that which is produced by faith is acceptable to God. It's that which is not produced by faith that you can well do is the Ishmael's. Amen? See if I have anything here yet and we'll close. God's chastening is concise. Oh, here is verse 12. Wherefore? Oh, let me go back to 11 and 12 and then. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. No, nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Then verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Thank you for listening to today's program. We hope you were blessed. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our listeners. Check out our website and get our weekly word e-letter by signing up at www.ministriesofwayneweaver.com. Until next time, God bless.